Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and in this episode, we're talking about what we can learn from perfectionists. So today, beautiful teachers, we're joined by Carmen Carpenter again, who's one of our staff writers and editors at Vibrant Music. And we're discussing the good side and the bad side of perfectionism. So Carmen, tell us, how do we recognize if we're a perfectionist or someone we know is a perfectionist? What do you think are the telltale signs? For somebody else, a perfectionist. Well, I think a perfectionist is being, yes, super uncomfortable with mistakes not allowing themselves a mistake, really being their own worst enemy, just beating themselves up over all of those things and not being able to complete things because they're so concerned about getting it perfectly right and just never good enough and usually directed mostly at themselves. You know, as far as like my students go, I don't know if they direct that towards others so much as towards themselves trying to make themselves perfect, not being comfortable when they make mistakes and that sort of thing. And so that's what a perfectionist looks like. And I guess a non-perfectionist is still a person who looks to achieve and be their best, but is comfortable with mistakes, uses mistakes as learning tools rather than reasons to beat themselves up. Or a non-perfectionist can also be someone who, yes, just maybe doesn't care. But I think that there are certainly those people that are non-perfectionists that are or have a healthy relationship with success and achievement. And I I like to think of myself that way, but I may just fly by the seat of my pants. That could be true, too. Yeah, well, I don't see myself as a perfectionist either. I think part of it as well, when you're talking about completing things, that's the thing I associate with perfectionism the most. People who, at least people who self-identify as being a perfectionist, it's often a reason why they won't hand something in on time, for example, in my college or things like that. Whereas sometimes done is better than perfect, right? All the time done is better than perfect because there is no such thing as perfect. So, right. Yeah. But I definitely have students who hold themselves to an impossible standard, for sure. Oh, same. I had a conversation recently with a student who was talking about her math scores 
And um, she had made what's a B in the like second best in American education. And it, it was a super high B, like just points away from an A. And she was really just beating herself up, feeling like she wasn't good at math. And she approaches piano much the same way. Mm-hmm. And and that is, it just makes my heart hurt. Just like, gosh, you, that's amazing. Most people would be thrilled to get those kind of math scores. And she was in an advanced class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is definitely what perfectionism looks like to me. Yeah. I had a similar situation with a student last year, actually with a piano exam. Mm-hmm getting the equivalent of a B. So it goes distinction honors over here. And she didn't get a distinction for the first time ever. And oh my gosh, the pain in my heart, (laughs) having to communicate that news, knowing how it would land, you know, Um, it's really tough. So that's kind of what we've already started talking about the downside. But what are the benefits? What are the good parts of being a perfectionist then? What can we learn from them? Well, I do think that perfectionism can have an upside, and I do think that perfectionists tend to have high standards and high goals for themselves instead of just accepting less than their best. I do think that that's key to helping us use the benefits of perfectionism is to kind of take that idea. I'm going to have really high expectations and I'm going to take steps towards reaching those goals and expectations. So I think that's a good one for perfectionism. For sure. And I think with those who don't have that tendency, we often have to be the one to hold them up to that high standard, you know, to complete pieces to a certain level of polish or whatever. If they have the opposite leaning, we have to take that role of, no, you can achieve better because they can um, and push them that little bit more. Whereas the perfectionists in our studio will normally push themselves. They will be very self-motivated towards that standard. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I being, like I said, a non-perfectionist, I have to remind myself that I need to have these high standards for my students. I really do need to be that person who is saying, hey, now that you have notes and rhythm down, let's add some dynamics. That'll make it even better. And so I do have to be that poor person and that voice saying, let's, let's take it to the next level. You can do this. You're capable of this. And just doing that with them for yeah. sure. Absolutely. One of the things perfectionists do often is they don't rest on a single success, right? Mm-hmm. They're right. often off to the next thing mm. as soon as they have achieved that thing. Yeah, for sure. And I and that's, I think, worthy, too, to kind of be in a place where you're like, hey, I did great on this. What what can I do now? Now that that success is behind me, let's keep shooting for more. You know, um, I have a son who tried everything and tried basketball for a season and it was so funny he went almost the entire season without making a basket and then a couple of games before the end of the season he finally scored a point and then he was done he was done he was like i'm out just 
So that would be a kind of a what not to do, you know, <laughs> try to use the success. He's not a sporting fit. It's okay. But to use that success as a reason to keep pushing forward, you know, to do that, I think is worthy. But to do it with, yeah, just a sense of accomplishment and confidence in yourself, not in a, I have to prove something to the world right? Like the perfectionist is trying to prove to themselves or to the world that they're better. But whereas the non-perfectionist attitude would be, I'm going to reach for more because it feels really good. It feels good to do this. And it feels good for me and my soul not to please others. I think it's another aspect of that. Yeah. And with the perfectionist students, I think we need to almost force them to dwell on it a little bit when they do achieve whatever it was they set out to this is mm. maybe one thing i do have in, in common with them is that i will just like oh that's done off we go you know i never sit down and say oh you did really you know you did this mm. thing so mm. that's something i have to make sure i'm doing for my students because it's not something that comes naturally to me in my own life either so to make sure them sit in that success for a minute like actually appreciate what you did before we make another goal and start shooting for it again Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. And I think helping them to hone in on what the real accomplishment is, that the real accomplishment wasn't necessarily that you made a high grade or it wasn't that you made that piece sound beautiful. Maybe it's just that you worked really hard at it or, you know, you finally learned to play legato or whatever it might be. I have a voice student that I am working with right now and I keep trying to, we're working on projection and just getting her out of herself enough to, you know, just sing loud, just sing loud and then we'll work with it, you know, and to get her to do that is just an accomplishment in itself. And she will beat herself up. Oh, that didn't sound good. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but you did it. Yeah, that's the accomplishment that you did it. So helping them to hone in on, I think, is really important. Yeah, for sure. And we have a better perspective as teachers on the whole Mm. progression of all the things that they might ever learn that we can say, this is what we were focused on right now. Like you did it at each stage. Yeah. Right. So what are some of the downsides we might need to watch out for with our perfectionist students? (laughs) Well, that one, just that beating themselves up that happens that is... And that is so challenging. And I try really hard to help them understand that, you know, this this space that where we learn is the place for mistakes. And and then it is a good thing. It's what we use to help us move forward. That is, yeah, so important, right? To to kind of hone in on that. Yeah, for sure. I think the the game that we mentioned in the last episode we recorded together, Unicorn Horncraft, is also great for perfectionists, especially those like students who are further along, transfer students who have come to you from another teacher who are like this, who just haven't learned that lesson. Like, we're going to get things wrong. Practice is a big mess. And, you know, all of that to right. try and get them to make mistakes on purpose and laugh it off with you. <laughs> Even in that context of a game where it feels like a safe space can be a great step in the right direction. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. And yeah, helping them to understand that that's how they learn, I think is really important. You know, mistakes are for information. 
They give us information about what we need to work on. And that's a good thing. You know, knowing what you need to work on and what you need to focus on is good. That's good for you and good for me as your teacher. And so, yeah, so you've got to go ahead and make those mistakes so I know what we need to work on. But that can be hard for them. That can be really hard for them to be like, oh, you just want me to play? Like, they'll be like, I haven't really practiced this week. And then they want to just not play. And you're like, well, why don't you play for me? And then we can figure it out from there. You know? Yeah. You know what you're saying? That makes me think of adult students through and through. That's something First. adult students always go, well, I didn't practice it this week. I so, said, like, you know, so what? Just play it, you know? But they're expecting, no, you're expecting a certain level of progress and yeah. I'm not going to live up to that. Yeah. Which is tough, yeah. But you're there to help them, not to give out to them for not being good, you know? Right. <laughs> Well, I think we're so used to proving ourselves in these educational spaces, proving what we already know how to do, rather than this space is the space where you figure out how to do things. It isn't the space where you prove that you are smart or musical or talented or whatever else. This this space is where you work things through. And so that that can be, I think, just a really hard concept for those kids. And I think it's a little different. I mean, it's different than the way I grew up doing lessons. And I think that's probably what happens with adults. If they've had any sort of lesson experience from their past, they probably were used to going to lessons, playing their piece as well as they possibly could. Their teacher would give them, you know, maybe some tips or go home and fix this or go home and learn that new piece without that concept of working it through together. At least that's what the older folks like myself had back in the day. Yeah, no, I can certainly recognize that too. Just feeling like you just get a list of corrections and you're supposed to go home and fix them and then come back. I think it also comes from different forms of education. Like if you think about being in college and, I don't know, in a history lecture, you're expected to listen to the teacher, digest all of the information on your own during study, and then be tested on it. There's right. no time where you practice the history together, you know, which is what we do in lessons. Yes. Thankfully, that's what we're doing in lessons. Yeah. Because that, yeah, that old style of just come and play perfectly for me, I think just feeds that perfectionistic beating yourself up, being your own worst enemy kind of thing for sure. And so, yeah. And I think it's scary for people. I think it keeps people from taking lessons because like, man, I can't deal with that. Yeah, I had yeah. somebody once who came and had a preview lesson. It was a young adult woman, had a preview lesson and everything, and then went home and told me she did not want to take lessons because she just couldn't handle having me hear her sing week after week. It was heartbreaking. I mean, I still think about that. That was several years ago, and I still think about, you know, that's so sad that you would feel like you had to prove yourself each and every time he came to lessons, deciding ahead of time without even getting to know me for real. And, yeah. and you know, it's so sad. It I, is. I can see it happening even more with singing. Not that I couldn't see it happening with piano, but with singing, it feels so personal. It's coming from your own body. And there's also, in a lot of education, it's not taught. It's just sort of 
you can sing, you should mind the words, <laughs> you know, there's no teaching that's happening in schools in a lot of cases. So people kind of connect it with, I'm worthy of singing or something like that. Like mm -hmm. I'm either good or I'm not. And right. Absolutely. That's so sad though. Poor woman. It, it's heartbreaking, but yes, you are right. But I, I am a huge believer that everybody can sing. Everybody yeah. can sing. So, For and sure. that plenty of people are like no that's not true no it really is it's so incredibly rare for people to be tone deaf but anyway yeah it's extremely rare i mean they would have in most languages trouble talking so it's not right you know <laughs> but Absolutely. it is kind of ingrained in the culture that like it, even more mm. than with piano or something that it's like a talent it's like a thing that's baked into you right just, yeah oh yeah Okay, well, Carmen, thank you for this exploration of perfectionism. I think what I'm mostly taking away, once again, is look at yourself first, ask yourself mm. what tendencies you have, because then you can use that to inform where you need to like push more than you would instinctively push or scale it back a bit if you are so super perfectionist yourself and that's passing on mm. to your students and kind of just be aware of your own tendencies. Yeah, for sure. I absolutely agree with that. And if you're a non-perfectionist like me, you may want to raise the bar a bit. Absolutely. So listeners, we would love to hear from you. Are you a perfectionist? Do you have some perfectionist students that came to mind during this conversation? Share your experiences in the Facebook group. It's called Vibrant Music Studio Teachers. You can look it up and join if you're not yet a member. We'll see you there. If you liked this episode, you would absolutely love Vibrant Music Teaching membership. We have the support and the training you need to take your teaching further. Join us today by going to vmt.ninja and signing up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it. And I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July. And you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.